Welcome to Scottish Ballet's Half Hour Call. It's a bloodstain. Escape the backstage commotion and find a quiet moment in the dressing room of Scottish Ballet. In each episode, we'll be joined by special guests for a frank and unfiltered conversation about the world we live in and where a ballet company fits into it. In this episode, we discuss audio description and how companies can support visually impaired audiences with Scottish Ballet's engagement producer, Lorna Murray, who is joined by audio describer, Emma Jane McHenry, and Alan Russell, producer at RNIB Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your half-hour call to the start of this evening's performance. You have 30 minutes. Your half-hour call, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello and a very warm welcome to you both, Emma Jane and Alan. Hi Lorna, it's lovely to be here. Hi Lorna, thank you for inviting me. EJ, can I start by asking you to give us a general idea about what audio description for dance is? Certainly, audio description for dance is quite multi-layered. Of course you want to represent the dance, but there's always other things happening on stage as well. So it's about breaking down the movement in ways that people can really feel the quality and the, the nuances of that movement in ways that people can understand. Uh, but you're also thinking of a storyline that may be continuing. You're thinking of conveying that. You're thinking of set and props, changes in lighting. There may also be text um, in a lot of modern productions. Sometimes the dancers speak. Sometimes the text is an audio track over the top. So you want to use the text as a as a musical score, really, and find the gaps in that text to convey information. There's a lot of information that that you feel you need to convey, but it's about making an informed choice about what to describe. And that's the difference between different forms of audio description, I think. With dance, there's so much going on. And if you can be involved really at the early stages of a dance production, then you have embodied the work and you have been in the rehearsals and you can really bring that to people as you audio describe. Yeah. And you've got a real wealth of information to impart at that stage. So people are in a way, it, it, in listening to the audio description, get an insight into the dance that maybe they wouldn't do, it, well, that they definitely wouldn't do if they were just sitting down as a, a member of the audience without the insight that you can tell them. Absolutely. It's, you, you want to try and preserve any surprises, any intended surprises um, to the audience, uh, but also you need to give a certain amount of information that helps to set the scene. Great. Well, Alan, can I come to you now, please? Um, first of all, welcome. Could you please tell us a little about yourself too? Yeah, sure. So I am a content producer with RNIB Connect Radio, which is Europe's first and largest radio station for blind and partially sighted people. We're a mainstream broadcaster, so you can listen to us in Freeview or apps and smart speakers and things like that. And originally we were created to bring information and entertainment to people with sight loss and indeed the sighted community as well. But we wanted to do that in a kind of mainstream way. So you could listen to our radio station and hear shows you'd hear anywhere else on music or technology or books or current affairs magazine shows but within that 
is or are elements around sight loss. So it could be interviews on uh, politics around sight loss. Uh, it could be technology. It could be what people are up to. Uh, it could be breakthroughs in uh, medical practice. It's a huge arena. Everything, everything in the world has some relevance to sight loss. And um, audio description comes into that. Um, I lost my sight back in 2000. So audio description was in its very early stages then. So not not around even on TV or cinema very much at all. And uh, it's grown. And, and part of what we do is we promote things like TV, cinema, the arts and things. And we promote audio description because it, it opens up things like the theatre and more to people with sight loss and it gives a, a real inclusive feel you know not just you're not just getting information while something's playing out you, you can be included in something and have conversations with people about it, the latest tv program or the latest theater so we cover a lot of, a lot of that and that's how i kind of in a nutshell uh, got into learning more about audio description and as you were had the privilege in a way through your work of of seeing how this has grown over the years, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what it was that you first started going to when you were going to audio described events. Yeah, so I mean, for me, the, the first thing I ever got, got my hands on in terms of audio description was um, it was a video, the old VHS cassettes, it was back in early two thousand, I think it was. Um, it was a film called Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, and that was the first time I ever heard audio description in a movie. Uh, with the the descriptive dialogue, you know, painting that physical picture and words <clears throat> in between the actor's dialogue. And then it kind of grew onto mainstream TV and streaming platforms and cinema. Um, I've, I've been to museums where you can have live audio description with guides or uh, on sort of electronic devices you can hold or things you can download to your smart device. And indeed, theatre. Um, I've been to many, many theatre performances over the years uh, purely because there's now audio description. And you know, through the radio station and, and Scottish Ballet and audio description, that was the first time, I think, when I it was Emma Jane who actually came in to see us several years ago now. I'd never considered ballet. It wasn't something I was ever interested in. You know, what am I going to get from ballet? It's a bit like opera, not for me. <laughs> um, and Emma Jane was determined to convince us that, no, it's for everyone. <laughs> and he's still he's still listening well. to me. <laughs> well, that's that's great. Good job, Emma Jane. <laughs> um, I wonder before we go any further, we have that example of audio described dance from Scottish Ballet's recent feature film Starstruck, as described by EJ. Maybe we should have a listen to that now. Her arms float at the sides of her body as she drifts on point through the clouds. She stops looks coyly over her shoulders as he spins, turns, whipping his body high, jumping into the air and landing. She jumps up. He catches her under her hips and lifts her high above his head. He dips her down, placing her with a leg held behind. A quick peck on the cheek. Zeus is lifted and carried away by the men. Eros taps her on the shoulder. He puts Zeus's helmet on, mimics him playfully. He wafts his arms at the side of his body, blows kisses to her. The company gathers round as she takes her scarf belt off and drifts it through the air. They all move together. Step one, two, step one, two, step will change, taking them this way and that. 
twisting hips, soft spins, first her, then then, crossing feet, dipping down, flicking arms above them, soft sashaying of hips, looking over shoulder at the company, step sliding back as she moves towards them. The men pick her up high into the air, body horizontal, parallel to the ground, kicking her legs up as they rotate her. On her back, on her front, placing her gently on the ground. Well, that's very interesting. I think that gives us a really good picture of the action and characters. And how lovely to hear Scottish Ballet's orchestra as well there. EJ, it strikes me listening to that, that a lot of work must go into preparing the descriptions for these performances, whether it's on stage or on film. Can you tell us a bit about how you prepare for these? Certainly. Um, every work is different um, and I like to tailor my practice to every work so that it's not just a one-size-fits-all version of audio description. So with working with film is very different with live performance. But essentially, you are trying to get underneath and inside the choreography. You're trying to look at what the overall feeling and quality of a section is, but also provide detail as well. So it's it's very difficult in terms of do you provide too much detail or not enough detail? There's always a fine line and I'm always questioning myself. Is this the right word? Because there's so many words to describe any one movement. So it's not that you're describing, um, you know, like a game of twister, right hand to to left diagonal. <laughs> you're thinking of, of how, how that left hand travels. You're thinking of what the quality of the movement, um, as well as trying to pick up on what's happening large scale. So it's, it's kind of macular and it's micro and, and maxi, if you like. And do you also give a, a lovely sense of the atmosphere of the scene. It's its not just the physical, it's its the kind of atmospheric experience as well, isn't it? Completely. And I think that's really important because it's, it's not a, a ballet class that you're describing. You know, these dancers are actors. They're, they're in a scene, they're in a feeling, a mood, a quality. Even if there's no story, that still exists. And that really comes from hopefully gaining access to rehearsals and to watch the dancers and watch pieces of choreography grow and listen to the choreographers and see what words they use to describe movement because they're passing their movement on to dancers. The dancers are embodying their choreography. So it's really important that I portray a bit of that flavour to my visually impaired audiences. That's a, a nice a nice thought that you've got that through stream from the rehearsal studio where you're hearing the choreographers and using the, some of the same terminology to describe. That's really, really interesting. Um, I know when Scottish Ballet uh, tours with Audio Described Dance, we, we, as well as you describing the actual live performance, it's preceded by a touch tour when um, you take the the, the um, visually impaired audience through into the back of the stalls of the auditorium and show them costumes and props. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, that touch tours are really important. Um, I mean, you can imagine there's a lot of information, especially in, in a, a dance work and in, in a ballet. It's, um, you know, there's the choreography, there's also the set, the props, the lighting, the shoes, are they on point, are they in flats? So there's a lot of information and you can portray that information in a, in a quick way, in a very tactile way by the touch tours. And I think they're so important because 
I can use, you know, the best language that I can possibly come up with to describe a costume, but there's nothing to beat actually feeling that costume, feeling the weight of it, feeling the texture, the quality, the stretch or not, um, feeling the, the softness, the angular, the jaggedness. All of this is carefully created. Costumes are carefully created to, to portray a character or a theme or a mood or quality. And in one moment of holding a garment can portray so much. And I think these are really, really important. And practically, it's it's a shorthand way of, of me conveying that information to, to an audience. Um, and it's, it's also nice to meet the audience as well that you're going to be talking to and to say, it'll be me that you'll hear, you know, and, and get to know them and, and you know, gauge where they're at if it's the first time at a ballet, if if they're seasoned audio description listeners. And that's really useful information to me. The texture is probably just as vital, I think, as, as the audio description itself. You know, when you, you come along to, say, the, the ballet or you're going to theatre production, to actually get out on some of them on the stage gives you a kind of perspective of what the stage is like, the size, the, the props, and as as EJ says, when you you actually get up close with the the outfits or some of the props, it gives you it helps you paint a picture in your mind because that audio description is coming through. Um, you know you can picture that as EJ is saying that you're picturing that piano and that stool, and you're actually painting a layout in your head as well. So you're getting the visuals even though you can't see them, and and you know meeting. Some of the cast or the dancers as well, and getting getting to talk to them about what they do, it kind of it gives you that prep you need to think to to further enjoy it, and it really enhances the actual audio description itself, and probably more importantly so with something like ballet. When I came along to the first one, uh, EJ I think came along a few years back, and it was uh, it was the Nutcracker, and I went along to the performance, and we had the the Touch Tour. Um, and I'd never been to Bali before, didn't know what to expect, knew nothing about Bali. Um, and it gave me a bit of a, a physical visual insight with the touch to it. And then the audio description coming in on top of that really makes it a very immersive experience. The two really complement each other. Completely. I think it's, it's layering, Alan, isn't it? It's kind of layering mm-hmm. that information. Absolutely. And, and you, you mentioned something quite interesting earlier about the importance of the dialogue. And you know what to say, how to say it, uh, the amount of dialogue. You know when when I talk to audio describers, you know it is a professional art um, to do something like this because you're engaging an audience, um, and and you have to paint that picture in words they understand. You have to fit it in to, with the dancers and so on as well. And you know some people want to hear things in a different way, I think, but to get that. The, the, the touch to her and the AD to, to paint that picture and the dialogue, you know, an example would be there was a debate, I think, with audio describers at one point when they were saying, you know, if I describe someone who's smiling and a describer would say, the person smiles maniacally. Are they telling you what they think it is or should you just be told it's a smile? But to me, the more information that EJ can get across, the more descriptive that is, um, the better. And I suppose having been in there in rehearsals, um, EJ would be able to describe whether the, the choreographer saw that smile as maniacal or or whatever, so that um, it's not her subjectivity that's describing it. It's what she's hearing was the intent 
by the choreographer, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. And that is a bit of a debate, a constant debate with audio describers um, in that, you know, how much of my own personal interpretation do I put on it? And a lot of people are very anti that, you know, you should just say what's there, don't add anything. But I, I like you, Alan, um, feel that the more information, the more knowledgeable information I can I can impart the better because a smile is, is just a smile it can mean a million things to people you're you're able to see it and you know although it's your interpretation you know the show you know the you know you know the scenes and how the actors are interacting with each other so you should be allowed to impart that in the way that, that you see as well just just in the same way I think as I was interested in knowing about the ballet moves because you know, when you were doing some of the description, you mentioned some of those moves, and to me, that's quite important as well. You know, I'm not going to be a ballet dancer, but it's nice to know what the movements are. You're going to get people, aren't you, in your audience who are ballet connoisseurs, down to people who've never been to ballet in their life before, like me. So, trying to strike that balance, just just as long as in the touch tour, you don't ask us to actually physically try the move. <laughs> Alan, I'm kind of intrigued by all, but because over the years you must have gone to lots and lots of different types of events that that are already described, and I know you talked about theatre before. But um, what other types of events do you go to that are audio described, as well as the theatre and and film, television, and and and, and streaming? Uh, uh, there's more audio description now in the UK. You know, we are kind of the exemplar, if you like. There's a lot more in the UK. We need more. There's still not enough. Um, cinemas as well are, are great. Um, you know, they are looking at doing more live audio description, which, you know, throws lots more um, obstacles, shall we say, into the mix as well. So, uh, for instance, when we had the Olympics in 2012 in London, they tried live audio describing the opening ceremony. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of work that, that goes into that. You know, they're, they're watching the rehearsals, as Emma Jane mentioned as well. But doing something like that, and then during COVID, during the first lockdown, we had the big concert, the global concert. They did a global audio description, and that was, again, that was live again. So there are attempts to bring things more, and they're looking at doing more live sports um, with audio description, kind of starting with football at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's making that transition into the live from, say, the the, the pre-recorded or uh, shows as well, so that there's differences there. Um, in, in terms of things like galleries and museums, you know they are, are doing that more too. As I think I mentioned at the start, you know the, you can go on audio describe tours with live describers who may pick a selection of items through the gallery, uh, and they'll describe those. But they'll also have, say, uh, someone from the gallery, the curator, who'll talk about the history or the story behind the item rather than just the physical descriptions and you can get perhaps models that have been made up of some of the items. You know, you go to museums, most things are behind glass. You get more now who will allow you to get your hands on some models as well. So, you know, it's it's going beyond into so many different areas, but still a long way to go. Yeah. I suppose up until now, anybody going to football match, so many people have the headpieces in their ears anyway, to listen to the commentary from the, the, the broadcasters. Yeah. I mean, well, Scotland actually led the way with the Rex Blind Party many, many decades and decades and decades ago. Um, and what they did was it was just someone going with, with some friends to a football match and a couple of those friends were blind. And the, the, the guy just sat with them and described what was going on on the pitch. And that's grown through Scotland, through through the UK and abroad as well. So you now get a little headset, you sit in a certain area 
and you get a description of what's going on in the pitch. And that description is more than, say, you would get from listening to a football match in the radio, where you'll get all sorts of other information, stats and chats and things. It purely focuses on the action, where the ball is, who's got the ball, did they kick it with the right foot, did they pass it over the head to what number, what positions are they in when they're striking at the goal. So, you know, football and other sports as well, are kind of moving into audio description so you know it is it is getting more out there and more into the live action events too good good and i suppose maybe the commonwealth games opening ceremony that that will have been live um d- described no, as wasn't. well was it not it i was so disappointed it, it was very heavily dialogued by the hosts um but there were certain parts where it was just the music playing and i didn't know what was going on um so it could have benefited from it, it, you I didn't not enjoy it, um, but it would have added a little bit extra if you know some a little bit more of it had that audio description in there. Too. And before we go back to dance, I just wanted to ask you a question. You said that um, Scotland was kind of leading the way in this area. How is that, or why is that? Do you think? I think it all really kicked off with the sports, for want of a better phrase. And, and, <laughs> and Britain, UK has has really led the way. I mean, I can I think we can go back to the ni- early nineteen eighties um, when Anne Hornsby from Mind's Eye description first started doing ad in theaters um you know she like ej had a background in her field um but felt there's something missing uh for for people who are blind or partially sighted that wanted to come to the theater for what can be a very visual art um and and she sort of began began the the audio description in the theaters so the uk has really led and and you know that's become professional you know, we now have technology improving, whether it's the cinema or the theatre. You know, there's different sets you can have now. You can even go to certain theatre productions. You can download specific uh, apps which work with audio description or pre-recorded audio description. Your phone can listen for cues and bring the AD in for you, which means you no longer have to wait for Saturdays an audio described show, but you can't come Monday to Friday because there's no AD. Um, you can go on whatever day you like. Um, obviously, there's, there can be some technical issues in there as well. When you think of things like pantomime, which can go a bit bonkers, um, ad libs, that, that can throw things like that out. But the fact that there could be an option to do that it is a great thing, and technology is really helping to deliver that. And indeed, technology brings better quality audio and better ways to listen to it. Yeah, that is so interesting because I used to, uh, we used to talk about h- how we were going to bring technology on to help us. And we were concerned about um, a conductor. A conductor might take it at one speed one night and a slightly slower speed another night or sections and how, how technology would, how they could adapt to that. So it is an ongoing art form in, in itself, isn't it? Really, well, as then? much as the actual audio description, though, the way of doing it is, is advancing and getting so much better. Oh, that's, that's really encouraging. But I think you can't be the live, the live describer. I don't think, I'd, I mean, it'll be a long time, I think, before we get to a stage where technology is good enough that we can just go to anything and listen to it on our smart devices. Having a live person like EJ there who can just instantly react to any changes or anything like that. I think you know, that's crucial. So EJ, you're not out of a job. Don't worry. That's a long time. <laughs> You've got a long way to go. <laughs> no, but it's, it's really interesting. And, and the whole notion of expecting visually impaired people to be at one performance um, to listen to an audio described performance is, is, you know, of course, it's, it's problematic. People have their social lives. But to be able to have a version for every performance on a device is, is just fantastic. 
I mean, there's ways in the creation that you could adapt the audio description to suit that. It could be a little bit more general. It could be a little bit more section to section, you know, cues from different scenes or different um, sound cues. And you could give an overarching feel of that section um, rather than very specific. Um, and leave that to the the live description for the specificity of it. But to to get enhanced an enhanced experience in every show would be amazing for people. I think it, it would be good, isn't it? At the moment, uh, in Scottish Ballet, we regularly uh, offer audio described uh, services on um, on a Saturday matinee. That tends to be the kind of go to, doesn't it, EJ? But it would be lovely because I mean, we do so many performances on a, on a winter tour, on any given tour, and to have more options about when people could listen, albeit with a not not the re- not having the real McCoy of EJ there, or uh, but you know having having someone else. EJ, I was going to ask you, what do you think is the greatest challenge when you're creating the audio scripts, or indeed when you're delivering the work? The greatest challenge, I suppose, is time. <laughs> time to create the script um, and because I always feel as though my scripts are never done there's never a sense of oh that's it I've done it it's in the bag <laughs> there's never a sense of that it's always like oh oh I didn't notice that the last time I'm gonna have to change that bit so there's it's always constantly evolving so time is is always against you um, and there's never enough time to say all of what you want to say Um so in a way, that's challenging too. Um, I think it's just as well, some companies work in different ways, companies have different priorities as well. So as a, as a freelance audio describer, as somebody coming into a company, it can be challenging to find your way into, into sometimes you have to educate companies about what audio description is. Um, and sometimes you have to educate venues because the company may have requested that the audio description happens and the venues aren't really sure how to do it. How do we do it in our space? How do we have headsets? What? Where do we get the headsets? So it's all of those challenging things that, that kind of pop up um, because people, everyone's still learning. And I think post-COVID as well, post-lockdown, it's challenging because um, the staff aren't always there that you used to deal with. Um, who you'd built a rapport with, who had had a wonderful rapport with visually impaired audiences. So that can be challenging too. Um, so you're almost um, meeting it afresh every time. And you do um, meet, uh, you do, I, I know from the, the past, I was aware that uh, that you do encounter sometimes the same, many, many of the same people come again and again, which is which is lovely. And I, I've, I feel that our great challenge at the ballet um, and I'm sure the other companies would completely agree, is getting the word out there so that people know what audio described theatre or dance or whatever it is, what it involves and what they could, what they might benefit from, might they might, it might enjoy it. Even if like Alan, you hadn't thought of going to dance before and you try it bravely, Alan, very good actually to go for the first time. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's for, for me, our great, yeah, the great challenge is to ensure that we can let people know that this is this is going and it is for them and we will make it as as enjoyable an experience um, in the round as as yeah, possible. It's, it's important to get the message because you know, it goes back to with, with any any sort of show like theatre or opera or, or ballet. It's you know people may think oh it's only going to be on a certain day at a certain time. I might not be able to go. 
and it, I, I guess getting the message out there to, to people to come along and and just to try it, you know, as as I did, you know, my wife was a ballet fan, I had no interest in it whatsoever, um, and an EJ came in and, and talked about it, and I thought, well, I'll give it a try, um, and I ended up, you know, I we do go to more ballets now if there's audio description. We haven't in the past few years, I have to say, um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, and, and you do miss it because you know another part of it though to me is that the it's the whole experience so you know i've gone to theaters before and you're you arrive at the door and there's someone there who'll meet you and you know and they'll take they'll show you to the the box office to get your tickets uh you know do you need a hand to the bar or can we get you anything you'll show you to your seat they'll bring you the headset they'll check the batteries make sure they work then maybe during the interval they'll come down to see and at the end they may help escort you outside to the taxi rank or something like that so what i think what people also look for is not just the ad but it's the experience it's like i want to go but i'm not confident about getting there and finding my way around a busy theater you know what if i get lost in there i can't find my seat or the, the headset breaks down halfway through um i think it's trying to also not, not comfort people but just let them know do you know what it's it the whole experience will be accessible along with the audio description i, I must say i'm always really impressed when we go out on tour to the to the main uh, venues how much the front of house staff are genuinely interested in what you're delivering and then so when you do go up to the audio box they are there to ensure that the headsets are working and if they're not working they're going to go and get them you know fixed for you so um the the the, uh, the theater staff i think are certainly the ones that i've encountered have always been really keen on making sure as you say alan the overall experience is really positive and as easy as possible ladies and gentlemen this is your act one beginner's call ladies and gentlemen of the orchestra would you please make your way to the pit your act one beginner's call please ladies and gentlemen thank you now this brings us to our beginner's call, where we give you the chance to reflect on where the conversation should go next. What would you say to someone considering attending um, audio-described ballet for the first time? It's an easy thing to answer, I would say, to try it. Um, you know, I, I've said a few times now um, that, that I'd never had an interest in ballet. It wasn't something, I don't know if it's a, an elitist thing, <laughs> you know, and I think that that barrier is gone, a bit like opera, but... It was never something I was going to be interested in. I'm not really interested in ballet and dance and classical music. But in the in the end, when you combine it all together and you get the audio description there, and there's so many contemporary ballets now, you know, modern interpretations or, or modern stories done in ballet. You know, it's just like going to see a theatre production of something now with the dance component and the audio description brings that to life so you don't think oh a ballet is incredibly visual and i'm not going to get a lot from it you know i can say that about film as well although there's dialogue in there but the, the audio description brings ballet to life and, and the music is wonderful uh, along with that description as well and when it's done really professionally you know eg is fantastic at, at delivering an understandable description and even even if you didn't you know need audio description uh, to me it's like you know what just go along and and try it you know if you don't like it you don't like it but you you may surprise yourself thank you thanks alan um ej i'm going to put that same question to you what would you say to somebody trying it for the first time i think a lot of people surprise themselves by what they can get out of it out of any audio description and i think even people with some vision loss um maybe don't anticipate how much that they're going to miss 
um, in any production. Uh, some of the little minute things that go on can be really intrinsic to the story or to that understanding. And there's always there's always that sense of what was that about? What was that? I don't know. What was that about? You know, with sighted audiences too, there's always that sense of, well, I don't know what was going on there. So I think from that perspective, it's really good because I've had visually impaired people come up to me and say, well, I knew what was going on. And I told my husband or my wife what was going on because they hadn't a clue. (laughs) So there's always that sense too that, you know, visually impaired people can access so much information from audio description. And I suppose in a way, it helps you relax and enjoy your night out too. If you know that you're going to be carried and you're going to be uh, informed and enriched, um, your experience is going to be enriched, then hopefully it lets people just relax and enjoy their night or afternoon night. Well, thank you very much. I think um, I think that's our half hour call timed out. Uh, thanks so much for taking part, EJ and Alan. It's a pleasure, Lorna. Oh, thanks, Lorna. It's been fun. And thanks too to our podcast audience for listening. Goodbye. Ha, ha, ha.